Grace and peace are yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it happens thousands upon thousands of times every day, and yet you hardly notice. You do this thousands and thousands of times every day, but probably don't stop to think about it. Because if you did, if you considered all the things that have to go right, you would be amazed it happens at all. You have a thought in your head, a question, a comment, a confession. You want to get it out. You pick just the right words, phrase it the way you want to, sometimes coming up with those words very quickly on the fly. You use your body language, your vocal expression, your intonation, your inflection, your facial expression, your gestures to make sure that the person understands what you're trying to say. If you're texting, you put in those couple emojis to put the right flavor on what it is you're trying to communicate. And then you send it, or you say it. Your work is done. There's nothing more you can do, but successful communication has not happened yet. Because you got somebody who needs to hear you, don't you? They need to have presence of mind. They need to be listening. They need to trust you to be able to take you at your word, to understand that you don't have some hidden message in the words that you're using. They have to be undistracted. They have to have their mind on the conversation with you. Then, and only then, will successful communication happen. When you think about all the things that have to fall into place in order for one human being to say anything to another, it's a miracle it happens at all. And yet it goes on thousands of times every day, and you probably don't even think about it. Because when successful communication takes place, you can move on. You don't stick around and think about what just happened, the conversation that just happened. You go to your boss and you have a question about the assignment. You ask your question, she answers the question, now you can do the assignment. You're heading to the car after church. You ask your mom if you can go to Chick-fil-A. She says no. Now you can move on, or you should move on. Successful communication means we can get on with our lives. It means we can continue the story. Successful communication is what brings people together, isn't it? Makes relationships happen. Makes miracles happen when two human beings successfully communicate with one another. It's the same with God. God is a relational God. He is a personal God. God creates relationship by communicating. But man, if there isn't a lot of ways we get in our own way of hearing God's communication. That's what we see in the, in, during the ministry of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was sent to, to preach a rather unpopular message to the people of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. He was there to tell them to repent, which in essence means that their relationship with God was not right. Things needed to change. 
the people of Judah were sinning in very big ways, and they could not afford to keep going that way anymore. Because God was going to send Babylon, the world power at the time, and Babylon was going to take Judah over and take Judahites into exile. This was going to be terrible, but they could avoid it if they just repent and turn back to God. But this communication from God through Jeremiah to the Judahites got interrupted. They weren't hearing him. Why not? because there were tons of other messages going around at the same time. Jeremiah was not the only preacher on the scene. There were lots of other prophets who were walking around telling people, things are fine. You and God are good. He's happy with you. Nothing bad is going to happen. And if you think about it, this message that these other prophets were sharing had everything going for it. People were feeling comforted. They were feeling at peace. They were feeling safe. They were feeling religious. They were feeling good about going to church and everything to hear this kind of message. It had everything going for it, this message from these prophets, except for being correct. If you judge a message by the way it makes you feel, then there was nothing wrong with what these prophets were saying. A-pluses all around, people feeling good after hearing it. But if you judge a message on, based on if it is the truth, then they receive an overwhelming, failing grade. The people were not safe. Babylon was coming. God was not happy with the way that they were forsaking him, the way that they were neglecting him, the way that they were mistreating each other without any remorse or guilt. Things needed to change, but they didn't want to hear it. So here's my question. Why would these false prophets keep preaching a message that they knew was false? Did they never stop to think, maybe we should double-check the thing that we're saying to all these people against the Word of God that we know to be true? Did they think that they could get away with it, that God didn't notice the way that they were handling his truth, the way that they were preaching his people into a false sense of security? What kept them going? Well, isn't this the direction we all go? We just kind of get frustrated. There are so many pastors and preachers and churches out there who all claim to be right. Who of us have the right to say any of us have anything right? Who would be so arrogant as to say that they preach and teach the truth? And it's frustrating to feel like you have to figure it out, who's right and who's wrong. So maybe you start to judge a message based on the way that you feel after you hear it. Do I feel better about my life? Do I feel more motivated? But when we judge a message solely based on that, brothers and sisters, aren't we kind of taking God's word and treating it like it's our word to do with what we will. If you're frustrated by how many different denominations there are, different churches there are, how many different takes on the truth there are, then join the club because nobody is more frustrated about this than God himself, which is why he sounds so emotional in these words in Jeremiah, why he sounds so frustrated. Listen to the tone of his voice 
Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? In other words, did any of you think that you were going to be able to say stuff in my name and I wasn't going to notice? Seriously? God is saying. I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesied the delusions of their own minds? I think these prophets thought that the ends justify the means. Imagine you have a teenage kid, they're getting ready to take the ACT, and they're nervous, they have test-taking anxiety. And you've tried everything, you've tried talking through it, you've tried doing the prep, you've tried all that, and they can't seem to let go of how anxious they are. So you try something you're not proud of. You lie. You say the ACT, it's not that big of a deal. When it is, it has an effect on what colleges you can get into. Of course, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it is a pretty important score at the end of the day, or at least it was when I took it. But you think to yourself, the ends justify the means. If I tell a little white lie, if I fib for now just to get my kid to calm down so that they can be in their right frame of mind when they take this test, it'll all be okay. The ends justify the means. Maybe these false prophets were saying, if these people are chilling out because we're sharing with them the message that we want to share, if we're preaching to them a message of comfort and peace, doesn't, isn't that what we're all about? So what if it's a little off? But in God's view of things, the ends do not justify the means. Because there is no such thing as comfort based on a lie. There's no such thing as peace based on an untruth. No matter how small it may seem to human beings, it's a big deal to God. What is the consequence of their messing with the truth? What are the ends to their means? God describes it this way. They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. You remember Baal, right? That false god that was really popular to worship in Israel's day, that Israel thought, ah, why don't we just go ahead and worship this false idol? <clears throat> god says, the way these prophets are mishandling my truth and preaching lies is producing the same effect in my people's hearts as when their ancestors straight up left the temple, left church, left relationship with me, and worshipped a false god that doesn't exist. A little bit of lie is just as damaging as completely forsaking the truth, God says. All false preaching, all false prophecy drives a wedge between us and God, turns us more inward, gets us to look more at ourselves than we do to God. And when Jeremiah came around with the true word of God, saying, repent, turn back, there's still time, the people ignored him. They were acting like someone who says, I don't go to the doctor. Every time I do, they tell me what's wrong with me. Or someone who goes to the doctor and the doctor says, 
you're dying. Here's what we can do to help. And they say, ah, I'm going to get a second opinion. And they go shopping around until they find a doctor that'll tell them what they want to hear. Meanwhile, they're still dying. Ignoring Jeremiah wasn't going to change the fact that Babylon was still coming, that their faith was still shrinking, that their relationship with God was still going by the wayside. And when you think about all the things that can go wrong, all the ways that you and I can get in our own way when God is trying to communicate with us, isn't it a miracle to think that it happens successfully at all? Isn't it a miracle that God can communicate with anyone at all and form a relationship with them? And that is completely accurate. But that's not to say it doesn't happen. Why did God send Jeremiah in the first place? It's because he loved those people. Why did God send wake-up call after wake-up call, prophet after prophet, first Assyria, then Babylon, to get these people to open their eyes to where their hearts were at with him? It was because he loved them, just like he loves you. That's why God communicates with us even when he says something that's hard to hear, like repent, or like you're sinning, even when he says something that hurts our hearts to hear, it always comes from love. Because what was God trying to do through Jeremiah? It's the same thing he does through his word for us. Gets us to open our eyes to the sin in our lives. Gets us to despair of anything we can do to save ourselves. Gets us to admit that there's nothing we can do to repair the rift we've caused between our in our relationship with him. And then we can see what he has done. Only when we realize there's nothing we can do to save ourselves do we see the beauty of God's love and grace. Because what did God do? He sent Jesus to be born, to live, to stretch out his hands on a cross, to die, to be buried, and to rise again. All for you. Because you could do nothing to, to save yourself. Jesus did everything to save you. He forgave your sin. He took on the, the punishment that the guilt of your sin deserves so that you will never face a day in hell thanks to him. This is what God is trying to get across. And yes, it's a miracle that anyone is able to hear this message, but you are living proof that that miracle happens, that God is able to communicate sin and grace, law and gospel and redemption to human beings like you and me. You are living proof that God is able to do this. But God is not willing to share the spotlight with anyone. God is not willing to be one voice among many, rattling around in your head, shaping the way that you see yourself and the world and your relationship with him. He wants to be it, and that's it. There's an American businessman and motivational speaker named Jim Rohn, who said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Which, if you're like me, 
can be a little scary to think about. But what he's saying is the five people that you spend the most time with will undoubtedly have an effect on the way that you think and act and speak. The way that you talk will resemble the way they talk. The way that you approach issues will resemble the way that they approach issues. The language that you use, the habits that you have, your behavior will start to resemble your five closest people. Kind of scary, especially if you spend your time around children. Most of it. I wonder if Jim Rohn would say now that you are the average of the five Instagram accounts you follow the closest, or the five YouTube channels that you always watch, or the five TV shows you always come back to, or the five books that you can't stop reading. Because we cannot deny that the stuff we take in through our eyes and ears affects us. As much as we like to think that we are free-thinking human beings and we'll make decisions for ourselves, everything that we're watching, we're reading, we're taking in has an effect on us. God is not willing to share that limelight with anything else. But before you think that we're advocating that you go home and burn all your books, that you cancel Netflix, that you only watch Christian TV shows, Christian movies, read Christian books, listen to Christian radio. Here's one simple truth, one simple key. God invites us into critical thinking about the media we interact with by asking one simple question. Where is this going? If I were to act like the people on this show for the rest of my life, where would I end up? If I were really to take to heart everything this advice account is saying, what would my life really look like? Consider the effect. Because you all know what this feels like. To read a, a self-help book that is really helpful and you, and you feel really good after reading it, but you go to put it into practice and you feel lazy or guilty or not good enough because you can't do it. Or you find an account on Instagram or online that has all these really cool sayings, that really gotcha moments, has good arguments and stuff, but you find yourself, as you ingest these posts, getting more and more angry, more and more nervous, more and more anxious. You find a YouTube preacher that you really, really like, but the more sermons that you listen to, you find yourself focusing more on yourself, on your, on your abilities, on your talents, on your lifestyle, than on God. Consider the effects of what you're taking in. Because where God's truth is, it's going to be noticeable. That's why God says, let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. This metaphor is not hard to figure out, brothers and sisters. Fire does stuff. Am I going too fast? A hammer that it hits a rock and breaks it into pieces. Something has happened. The consequence of this action, fire burning a wilderness landscape, or a big hammer smashing a rock into pieces, you cannot deny that something has happened. Look at your own heart, where God's truth dwells. Something has happened. 
The Holy Spirit, through the truth of God, has changed a heart, has changed a life. You are living proof that God's Word does stuff. It's the difference between straw and grain. If all you would ever ingest or take in, the media that you take in would be just advice, good-sounding stuff, you can chew that straw all day long. It will never nourish your body. But when you go back to the message of sin and grace, of law and gospel, how God has saved you, how God loves you with a love that you do not deserve, that's like grain. It feeds your soul, gives you a comfort that cannot be taken away from you, lets you know that it's not all about you. It's all about God's love for you. This is a truth that is worth keeping in your head. This is a truth that is worth listening to. There are lots of voices out there. You interact with lots of people every day, but you don't listen to everyone the same way. Listen first and foremost to God, brothers and sisters. Hear the message of his love as often as you can, as often as you need, because he's always there for you. And pray with us every day that he would keep us in the truth. Amen.